Uh, we will open together to Psalm 29. Again, we will take a look at Psalm 29 together. So let me read this psalm for us, then I will pray. Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with his peace. May the Lord add a blessing to his word as it is read. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful uh, for your sovereign power. We are so thankful uh, for your voice that has spoken forth not only our existence into life, but has spoken forth our salvation in your Son, our Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that as your word is preached, that your Spirit would help us to grow in faith in your great and precious promises and power for your people. It is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we pray together. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The Lord Jesus asked those two questions to his disciples. They were in a boat. The wind had stopped. The sea was now calm. Again, the questions. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, just a few moments before, a great windstorm fiercely struck the boat that the disciples were in on the Sea of Galilee. The wind was so forceful that waves of water filled the boat. Now, this had been a long day for Jesus and his disciples, a long day of teaching for the Lord Jesus. Well, where was Jesus in the midst of the chaos of the Sea of Galilee? Well, he was calmly sleeping in the boat. The disciples, now exhausted by their efforts to remove the water from the boat as it was filling up fast, finally rouse the Lord Jesus from his sleep, and they ask this question, 
Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Think about that question for just a moment. Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you maybe asked a similar question at one point in your life? Now, now you're confident that the Lord Jesus is with you. He is present with you as his son or his daughter. You know the promise that Jesus has promised his people that he would be with them till the very end of the age. And whatever you may be facing, you know that the Lord Jesus is present with you in your boat just as he was with the disciples on that day on the Sea of Galilee. But maybe at times you have asked this question, maybe not verbally, but within your heart, Lord, do you not care? Do you not see how many specialists we have visited? Do you not see how many treatment plans we have undergone? Do you not see how many medications we have tried? Lord, I know you're with me, but do you not care? Lord, we have raised our son in the training and the instruction of the Lord Jesus. We have done everything that we can in the older years of his life to give him opportunity to give him the chance to return back to our Christian faith, to provide his needs, and yet he still is not walking with you. Lord, do you not care? Or maybe you are out of employment. And you say, Lord, I have sent application after application after application. Lord, do you not see all of the rejection emails filling up my email inbox? Or do you not care? Again, hear that question from the disciples as they ask it in the boat on that night. Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, when we think about the disciples in that moment, they do recognize that the Lord Jesus is with them. Right? They, they go to him with their question, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? But yet it seems as if their, their frustration, their anxiety, their, their fear were working against them. These disciples knew that the Lord Jesus was with them. But their fear, their anxiety, their frustration caused them to forget who this one was that was in the boat with them. Well, you know how the rest of the story plays out. When Jesus wakes up, he rebukes the wind and the waves. The wind stops. The sea returns to calm. Again, Jesus asks the two questions. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And it was in that moment for the disciples that they could recognize that it is in recognizing the Lord's sovereign power that we can rest in his strength and in his peace. We will see that very same truth in the words of Psalm 29 that we just read. We will understand clearly that it is when we recognize 
the Lord's sovereign power that he displays on behalf of his people, that we will find ourselves in a position, regardless of what we may be facing, to rest in the Lord's strength and in his peace. Well, let's do that once again as we take a closer look at Psalm 29, this Psalm of David, as we consider the idea of recognizing the sovereign power of our God. Let's take a look at this call to worship that we find in verses 1 and 2. Again, David writes, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Now, as we consider this call to worship, we notice that it is addressed to heavenly beings. Well, now, who are these heavenly beings that David has in mind? Maybe these are angels that are able to watch the Lord's demonstration of his great power in the earth. Uh, Maybe these heavenly beings are earthly rulers, earthly kings, who are given a summons like we read in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Maybe the idea is that both are in mind. But as we take a look at this call to worship, we notice that it is a very instructive call to worship for you and me. For just a moment, let's think about the significance of a call to worship. Notice, if we will, in verses 1 and 2, that three times in two verses, we have the idea that we are to ascribe to the Lord. Notice the first three phrases. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe To the Lord. When we think about what worship is, as we are called, as we are gathered to worship as God's people, worship is ascription. It's acknowledgement. It's recognition. It's not as if in our worship we are giving glory to God. We are giving strength to God. No, God is infinitely strong. God is in and of himself infinitely glorious. So when we are called to worship, we are called to recognize, to acknowledge, to ascribe who the Lord is and what the Lord does. Notice as we are called to worship with this psalm, that our worship is to be directed to the Lord and Him alone. Notice again the phrasing, ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, verse 2, ascribe to the Lord, and then finally, worship the Lord. This is where we can think of the first commandment, right? We are to have no other gods before him. Our worship is to be directed and given to God and him alone. And then notice, if we will, that last phrase, that we are to worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. It may be that your text has a footnote that says that we can worship or that we are to worship the Lord in holiness holy attire, speaking to a proper way to worship the Lord. Again, think about the second commandment, that we are in our worship of God not to make a carved image or the likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters below. 
It is the second commandment that gives us instructions on how it is that we are to worship God. And as we just confessed together from our Westminster Confession of Faith, that we worship in a proper way according to how God has instructed us to worship Him. That when it comes to the worship that we offer as God's people, we are to offer that worship according to the instructions found in God's Word. Again, as we are looking at these first two verses, considering what a call to worship is, what a model call to worship it is for us, that when we are called to worship, we're called to ascribe to the Lord, to recognize His glory, His strength, that we are to direct our worship to Him, to Him alone, and that we are to do so as He has properly instructed us. Your phone vibrates. You pull it out. You take a look at it, and you think to yourself, ah, it's him again. I think I know why he's calling. Now, maybe you're considering to yourself, do I have time to take this call? Or maybe you're asking, do I want to take time to answer this call? Well, there is a number when it comes up on my phone, when my phone is vibrating or ringing, That when I see that name, when I see that number, I always answer regardless of what is happening. Well, whose name? Whose number? Well, it would be Pastor Seth's name. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Some of you are thinking, yeah, Jeff better be talking about his wife here. And yes, I'm talking about my wife here. Yes. So when I see my wife's name, when I see my wife's number, unless I just absolutely cannot, I know that is a call that I have to heed in that moment. Very similar way when we come to Psalm 29. We realize that this is a call to worship that we do not easily ignore. And why is that? Well, as we take a look then at verses 3 through 9, we see this incredible demonstration of the Lord's power. And it is that incredible demonstration of the Lord's power that is that call to worship to you and me to ascribe unto the Lord the glory and the strength that belongs to him. So let's take a look, if we will, then at this thunderstorm uh, that happens in verses 3 through 9. For just a moment, uh, before we dive into this storm, take a look, if you will, at the beginning words of verse 3. The voice of of the Lord. Now we'll read this seven times uh, over the next several verses. The voice of the Lord. When we think about the thunderstorm that we're about to witness, similar to that thunderstorm, that windstorm that the disciples experienced on the Sea of Galilee, we recognize that this storm is the Lord's doing. It's the voice of the Lord that brings this about. Spurgeon quotes a 17th, 18th century theologian by stating, All things which we commonly say are the effects of the natural powers of matter and the laws of motion are indeed the effects of God's acting upon matter continually and at every moment, either immediately by himself or immediately by some created intelligent being. Think about it this way. Let's say as a father, as a mother, uh, your son or daughter comes up to you and says, Mom, Dad, Why does rain fall? Well, maybe you can go back to your days in science class and go through the cycle. Collection, evaporation, condensation, precipitation. 
Not only would you be able to demonstrate how smart you are to your children, but you would be exactly right. Uh, This is the natural process that God has put into place for rain to fall. But I think it's also a possibility for us, and rightly so, when our children ask that question, why does rain fall? We could simply say, because God makes the rain to fall. That's what we acknowledge here as we consider the voice of the Lord that brings about this storm. Now, just consider then how this storm moves across the land. Take a look, if you will, at verses 3 and 4. We see the powerful voice of the Lord bring up this thunderstorm as it starts out over the waters of the Mediterranean Sea to the west of the land of Israel. Again, we read the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Again, picture in your minds that dark cloud forming over the sea, seeing the lightning, hearing the thunder. Then we notice that the storm moves on to land on that western uh, coast where there is a mountainous area, verses 5 and 6. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars on those mountains. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Consider almost these earthquake qualities. Verse 6, he makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The earth is in chaos. It is in upheaval. Notice that as we move to verses 7 and 8, this storm is now traveling south to Kadesh. The voice of the Lord, verse 7, flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And then finally, this storm moves into a forested area as it impacts animals, as it impacts the trees themselves. Again, verse 9, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And if we were at all in doubt that the context for this psalm is that of worship, notice the end of verse 9. And in his temple, all cry glory. Now, my son Josh loves gathering storms. Now, certainly he loves to watch it on uh, some streaming channel. But he especially loves it when it's happening in real life. So the moment that maybe the sky turns a little bit of a different color, uh, maybe there is some type of a notification on our phones that goes off that a storm is coming, where is Josh going? Josh is either going to the backyard. Josh is going into the front yard. He wants to see what's happening. He is enthralled with that storm. I think maybe what the psalmist is doing for us is encouraging us to be enthralled by the Lord's power in this storm. Let me encourage you, brothers and sisters in Christ, let not the Lebanese Lebanese trees be wiser than we as we are called to worship Sunday by Sunday. May we recognize the incredible power of our God. And just as the trees are broken and bow before the powerful voice of the Lord, May that be our posture in worship as well. Well, not only uh, do we recognize in this psalm the incredible power of our God, but notice that we also are called to recognize His sovereign control over all things. Take a look, if you will, at verse 10. 
Consider that the storm has now come, and now what has happened is a flood in its wake. Notice where the Lord sits. Verse 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Once again, Spurgeon. Love what he has to say here. No deluge can undermine the foundation of God's throne. He is calm and he is unmoved. However much the deep may roar and be troubled. Consider for just a moment the the challenges and the difficulties that we face. That at times may unnerve us may cause us to feel like life is just in chaos. But we are reminded here that when it comes to the Lord's sovereign control, that he sits calmly as king. There's nothing that would cause our God to think all is in chaos. What am I going to do with this situation? No, the Lord sits calmly enthroned over whatever waters whatever storm may come our way. And it's here, brothers and sisters, when we recognize, when we see the sovereign power of our God, that we can rest in his strength and his peace for us. Take a look, if you will, at verse 11. The psalmist, after seeing this incredible storm, says, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. For just a moment, let's go back to being with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of that storm. Now again, the disciples recognize that the Lord is with them. They go to awaken the Lord from his sleep. Remember where the Lord is. He's calmly asleep. Nothing is unnerving his sovereign control over all things. But as the disciples go, as they wake the Lord Jesus, as they rouse him to sleep, they ask that question, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Again, they know the Lord is with them, but it is their fear, it is their frustration, it is their anxiety that do not allow them to see Jesus for who he truly is. Again, the Lord Jesus stands up. He rebukes the wind, he rebukes the waves, all returns to calm. He turns to the disciples. He said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And do you remember how the disciples respond? Who is this? Who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Notice how in a way that's a very different question from the one that they were asking to begin with. They asked the question, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? In other words, Lord, we know you're with us, but it seems like you're doing nothing for us. And then the question of humble reverence that comes at the end. Who is this? That even the winds and the seas obey him. And seeing the Lord Jesus in his sovereign power, they are now in a position to rest 
in his strength and his peace. And could it be, my friends, that the reason why at times the voice of the Lord breaks out in a thunderstorm in our lives is so that we will move from the first question, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? To then consider the second question, who is this? That he can command the seas and the waves and they return to calm and still. Now, if we were to ask ourselves the question, okay, how do I position myself to be able to do this well? To be able to recognize the Lord's sovereign power so that I can consistently rest in his strength and his peace. Well, my encouragement to you is to keep doing what you're doing by gathering Sunday after Sunday for worship in this place. You know, I think in a very real sense, uh, our liturgy, our order of worship is, a, is mirroring what we see here in this psalm. Consider that Sunday by Sunday, both in morning and evening worship, we are called to worship as we see in verses 1 and 2. We are called to once again recognize the Lord's sovereign power and give Him the worship that He is due. Especially in our morning worship services, what do we do next? We hear the reading of God's law. We recognize that the storm of God's wrath is against us because of our sin. But then we are reminded that it was the Lord Jesus on the cross who bore the full weight of the storm of God's wrath for our sin so that now all is right and well with our souls. That there is now peace and calm with God because of what Christ has done in taking the storm of sin and its punishment for us. We are assured that in Christ, all of our sins are forgiven. We are reconciled to God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are reminded of that then, are we not? in the preaching of God's word as the gospel goes forth, as we rejoice at the table in eating of the bread and drinking of the cup that reminds us of the Lord's death for us. So fellow Christian, it is when you gather in this place for worship Sunday after Sunday that you position your well, yourself well to recognize the sovereign power of our God so that regardless of what is coming your way, you may consistently rest in his strength, and his peace. But what happens when we don't? Well, when we absent ourselves from worship, we don't see the Lord in all of his sovereign power, then we return to despair and frustration and anxiety. So let me encourage you, continue to be in this place so that you might find yourself consistently resting in his strength and his peace. Now, just a word. For those of you who may not be in Christ, For those of you who have yet to repent and trust in Christ and Him alone for your salvation, hear the voice of the Lord in Psalm 29. We read in Romans that His wrath is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. 
in a very real sense, a storm, a thunderstorm, a dark cloud is coming against you and it is the wrath of God for your sin. If you remain unrepentant as that storm approaches you, if you die in your sins, instead of being able to embrace the Lord's sovereign rulership over all as a blessing, you will find yourself under his eternal judgment. But again, my friend, remember that the Lord Jesus himself chose to experience that wrathful storm on your behalf. In recognizing then the voice of the Lord, allowing it to shake you from your complacency, to break you from your pride, This one who, after his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension to the right hand of the Father, he now holds his hands, his strong, powerful, sovereign hands to you, and he offers you his strength and his peace. If you would simply repent and trust in him and him alone. My friend, if you will do that even tonight, if you will turn from your sins, if you will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will know his strength, his peace for all eternity. Let's pray. O gracious, mighty, sovereign God, in Christ, you have given us eternal strength and peace. Comfort us, strengthen us in that truth, we pray. In the Lord Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.